I'm your humble host, Ralph Nudie, coming to you live from the studios of AM 1050 WLIP in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and simulcast live from Kenosha to the Canary Islands and everywhere in between via our YouTube channel. Go to GetRealWithRalph.com to get the feed. That's GetRealWithRalph.com. Do you realize that uh, we may be getting stuck in the middle once again here in this country? In the news, a drone attack by some militants claiming responsibility, but allegedly connected to the Iranian government, has blown up half of Saudi Arabia's oil supply. Should we care? How long will it be before the oil companies start manipulating prices so we're paying a lot more at the pump so they can, I don't know, goad us into another war we don't belong in? This, my friends, is one of the places where the rubber meets the road. No pun intended. There's a lot of people out there that voted for our current president because they felt that even though he was running as a Republican and as a conservative, he had the gall to stay out of foreign entanglements that don't involve us. Well, Mr. President, I think your resolve is about to get tested, and we're going to find out if that's really what you meant. And if you do successfully keep us out of this, I think you're going to have a lot of grateful Americans that say, see, I told you so. Sometimes you don't know the reason for something going on in history, going on in your life. Like, why this guy? I know you've all asked it. This might be the time. Someone who's not going to back down. Someone who's not going to start a war. Someone who's going to kind of have a Goldilocks approach. Maybe that's why he has that golden hair. I don't know. Maybe for once it'll be just right. More on that later. Also in our studio, we have a couple of guests. We have Heidi Hutchison Provo and her husband Ian Provo from Rockford, Illinois. They're going to talk about their very personal journey with human trafficking. Um, also in the studio, the lovely Brittany Lumley is going to come in and play a little set for us a couple of weeks ahead of our Songs of Freedom Festival, benefiting the victims of human trafficking by supporting Operation Underground Railroad. Thanks for tuning in. But let's get real. Good evening and welcome to Get Real with Ralph. Just wanted to make a couple of introductions before we go to our first break. In the studio, as always, the wonderful Mr. Jim Salovich. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing great, Ralph. Fantastic. We have Raynell Owens doing our video stream so that you can see us live on our YouTube feed at GetRealWithRalph.com. Or you can just go right to YouTube and look up Get Real with Ralph. And uh, also in the studio, we have Heidi Hutchison Provo, an educator from Rockford, Illinois, along with her husband, Ian Provo, who is a licensed clinical social worker. When we come back from this break, they're going to tell you about their very personal and very difficult journey with human trafficking and their daughter after this break.
And we're back in the studio at AM 1050 WLIP. A little bit of money playing today on Eddie Money's birthday. Jim, what not do you know? birthday. Oh, it's not his birthday? You're playing tribute to him today. Anniversary of his death. No, he oh. died Friday. Oh. Yeah. He did? Yeah. Well, see, I've been so I've been at this. So, I've been stuck inside the roadie theater for the last three <laughs> days, and all I've known, I had to look at the news before I started the show because all I heard was, "Do you want to build a snowman?" For the last three oh days. Oh my god! But I did not realize that that happened this weekend. I yeah, thought you yeah. said featured Eddie Money. I'm like, oh, happy birthday, Eddie Money! I can't believe he passed away. Yeah, he passed away Friday. Oh, and we just and we just lost Rico Cassick too. I just heard that coming into this we on the news the break news, that yeah. Rico Cassick from the Cars went, and yeah. we just featured the Cars last week. It's kind of yeah, kind of ironic. Yeah, yeah. Um, being Benjamin Orr's birthday last week. We like to reach back and uh, find artists, musicians that have had a significant impact mm-hmm. on, on the music industry and, and, and talk about them, and we pick one every weekend. It's yeah. kind of a little fun thing that we do yeah. in between subjects. Yeah, yeah Eddie, uh, great guy. You know, chance, opportunity to meet him a couple times, and he was just an absolute wonderful person. He seems he, he seems he's, like he would be that kind of down genu- guy. He's genuine. He was a very genuine type of person, and it's sad to see him go. You know, it's... Uh, he. he he rocked out for a little. How old was he? Seventy. Seventy. That's mm-hmm. that's young to die, but not mm-hmm. but but old for rocking out still. And I right. know he'd been playing out even yeah the he, last couple well, of he years. Had his uh, his own uh, was a reality show on TV with his kids. Yes, his I saw stuff, yeah. that, that. was some pretty funny stuff. Yeah, I saw, I saw a couple of episodes yeah. of it. and I loved it. But uh, yep, yep. So in the studio we have Heidi Hutchison and her husband Heidi Hutchison Provo. I'm sorry, Heidi and her husband Ian Provo. Uh, Heidi is an educator for Rockford Public Schools. Uh, Ian is a licensed clinical social worker. He is an adjunct professor teaching uh, social work at at, at several uh, online universities as well. And they have a very personal story to tell. They, their daughter fell victim to the human trafficking crisis. Now, what's important about this story before I introduce them is that these are some very educated, informed parents. These are parents who paid attention to and really believed that they knew the warning signs and they would know how to protect their child. These are parents who were vigilant, good parents who raised their daughter to have all the same values that that all of us have, and they never in a million years imagined it could happen to them. And, of course, that's always a cliche, it could happen to you. But in this case here, this is you. This is me. This is all of us out there that are paying attention to our our kids and trying to do the right thing in this world. And it's happening to our sons. It's happening to our daughters. And so having them talk about their journey, I think, is an important part of the process. It's one of the reasons that human trafficking has become uh, such a personal cause of mine to help eradicate in this world. Heidi and Ian, welcome to the program. How are you guys? Hi. Hi, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for making the drive from Rockford. And Heidi, you contacted me initially via the event page for the Songs of Freedom concert we're doing, saying that you had some experience with Operation Underground Railroad, that you had experienced the the traumas of, of trafficking firsthand. And of course, I reached out to you and we had a phone conversation right away, and I was really looking forward to getting you in here to talk about your story, why don't you give us a little background of both of your lives and what you do for a living and your family dynamic before this even happened? Okay. Um, we have been foster parents. Um, we adopted children 
and I am an educator. I've been an educator since 1993. Um, felt that I was very informed. Um, my husband being a social worker, um, we spent countless hours with kids and parents um, educating ourselves on dangers and we also had uh, foster, foster children rather that um, had been through sexual abuse. So we felt very trained and knowledgeable and skillful in handling that kind of violence. Certainly. And Ian, in your, in your work as a licensed social worker, you had uh, told me that you have dealt with victims of sexual assault and sexual violence against them over the years prior to this happening. Tell me a little bit about that experience and how you think that's shaped how you view the world. Uh, you have to kind of look at those incidences as, and not become cynical about it because not everybody's being sexually abused. But when you work in the profession, and I did a, I've done and a lot of work with, especially with teen girls, um, you realize that there is a problem. Uh, it's something that's not talked about very often. And um, I have a lot of background uh, talking to these kids about self-esteem issues and things that inevitably, inevitably lead to um, destructive, self-destructive behaviors. And, um, you know, we adopted both of our children. They, they came to us at birth from the hospital, so we had control over their environment. And um, we uh, did what every good parent does, setting limits and boundaries and kept them involved in activities and stayed close to the school and things like that. Now, this situation with your daughter came on very quickly. Yes. So you didn't see a lot of warning signs ahead of time. You, your daughter was exhibiting pretty much nor normal behavior or what her normal behavior was. Yes. She was involved in activities at school. What were yes. some of the activities that your daughter was involved in? Uh, well, she did theater. Um, she also was involved with music and choir. Um, she also did Girl Scouts. Um, she also was involved in our church youth group. So she was, at the time, in 12th grade when this happened? Yes. And she yes. was just barely 18 years of age? Yes. So just on the other side of legal adulthood, which we're going to talk later about some of the legal challenges that poses for parents uh, for the child that they're still morally responsible for and still want to help and, and how that becomes a problem. But here she is. She's a senior in high school and never really had any very serious trouble, correct? Correct. Involved, good student all the way to the end. Yes. Uh, how far into her senior year? Uh, well, the trafficking actually started after she had completed high school. Okay. Um, but prior to that, uh, she had a friend that she befriended that we didn't know was involved. So there was a grooming process. Yes, there was. Tell us a little bit about what you know now about the grooming process. Uh, well, part of the grooming process was that they befriended her, uh, made her feel uh, that she could trust them. Now, when you um, say them, was this more than, was this just a couple of students from the school, or was this already the, the older adults that they had introduced It was a, a girl from her school that she had befriended who had similar interests. Okay. Um, they both had an interest in photography and were very good at taking pictures um, and liked similar things. And so um, what we found out later was that this girl was involved with um, several men who were involved in trafficking. And she was involved on a, she had gotten trafficked by them. I'm, I'm assuming that her 
Her, was her home situation be prior to that similar to your daughter's home situation, or was she more vulnerable to begin with? She was more vulnerable to okay. begin with. And so she was someone that your daughter would look at as someone almost less fortunate than her that she'd look after and befriend. Would you yes. say that that's a, a, a inaccurate way of, of describing yes, the, and, the and, dynamics of the relationship? Yes, and uh, the family had actually come to join our church, and that's how we met them. Gotcha. So... So far, this is this is a story of your child doing exactly what we've all taught our children to do. You know, look out for somebody, who, you know, not judge people based on the fact that they're in a different, have a different background. Take people in, invite them into your faith if you are a person of faith. Yes. So where did this, where did this, looking back, because I know you didn't see all the warning signs at the time, but looking back, where can you pinpoint that this started to go wrong? Uh, I would say... Uh, this other girl got involved with um, one of the male individuals, and we noticed that um, she was... Romantically? Uh, yes, I believe okay. so. Um, she started to hang out with him more and more, and she also started drinking, started doing drugs, those kinds of signs. Um, and her parents became concerned that she was in a domestic violence situation. And um, so my daughter kind of distanced herself a bit, um, for a short time, but then... Uh, no, were they still in high school when this domestic violence was potentially going on, or it was right after graduation? That was during high school. Got you. Um, and then um, our daughter um, reacquainted herself with this young lady uh, when it seemed like she was doing better and she was away from this gentleman. However, we found out later that she was still involved with him. It doesn't sound like we should be calling him a gentleman either. No. Creep. We can use creep. Is that okay? Yes. I mean, absolutely. I'm, it just, it's, so now a couple months after high school, your daughter gets invited to a barbecue that is being attended by these men that run this, this, this ring, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Take, take us from there. Tell us, tell us what that experience is like or, or, or what happened uh, well, as you were experiencing it. Yeah. What happened was our daughter had asked permission to go to this barbecue, and uh, they were also going rafting down the river. And um, I knew this young lady. I, you know, she had been at our home several times, so I felt that it was safe and asked her, you know, what time you're going to be home. Uh, we gave her a curfew, and she said that she would be home, and we took her to the barbecue. And uh, it quickly became a concern for us because we hadn't heard from her when it became curfew time. And uh, so I frantically started to text her and say, you know, hey, are you okay? Did you get in an accident or what's going on? You're not home yet. And uh, then um, panic kind of set in because we still didn't hear from her. And after that, um, I contacted her friends and this girl in particular. And uh, she kept saying, I don't know where she is. I haven't seen her. And it wasn't until I kind of put some pressure on and said, look, I'm scared for my daughter, and if you don't contact me back, I'm getting law, envo law enforcement involved. And uh, then she started to kind of talk about some of the things that had transpired at this barbecue. Which was what? Um, well, um, we found out that a older male and his son, uh, the older male being in his 50s and the younger male being his son, was 23 um, they had actually given my daughter drugs and alcohol, um, and they had basically um, taken advantage of her and uh, videotaped it. And when this happened, 
your daughter still hadn't been returned to you? No, she had not. So they used the videotape as leverage when she came to you? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, we... How long was it until you actually heard from your daughter again well, after you dropped Well, she came home that night, but that's what started the nightmare. She came home okay. intoxicated. We didn't know where she was. She was in our sunroom, uh, half naked, passed out on our couch out there. And we knew something was seriously wrong. Yeah, I'll bet you did. Uh, you know, when it's completely out of character, and it's so easy to think, well, here's my, here, here's my 18-year-old rebelling right. and just uh, trying to spread their wings. And I think that sometimes because of where they are, I, I really believe the traffickers realize that that's a vulnerable vulnerability there. And there's probably a very fine line in differentiating when you're viewing the behavior from the outside looking in. How long after this did the next incident occur? Well, right after we found her um, passed out, we took her to the hospital but because she's 18, she could sign herself out, AMA, and she did not have to provide us with any information of what had happened to her. Sure. Um, so we brought her home, and instantly she started to pack a bag. She was embarrassed. Um, she was very upset and wanted to leave right away. Um, and they had already kind of groomed her and made her trust them enough that she felt like she could have more freedom that they could provide a car for her, that they could provide all of these things for her, like cell phones. and. Now, were they playing good cop, bad cop? Were th- when you say they, different people than the people that actually physically took advantage of her? Is that how is that how they set this up? Uh, well, it was them and it was other people involved. But I'm saying the other people involved, do they act as if they were the friends protecting her against the guys that molested yes. her? Yes. Okay. Yes. So they made her feel like, wow, that's a terrible thing. We got you, and, that's, and it's terrible of you to have done that. Your parents are going to hate you. Right. Come with us, and we'll give you protection. Yes. Am I, am I getting this yes. right? And the reason yes. I'm, I'm spelling this out, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm questioning like an attorney on the stand, but I'm trying to break apart the pieces so that people at home listening realize that this is a process, and it got followed to the T, and you can see it. These people have an incredible psychological hold on victims, and the use of trafficking, prostitution, and substance abuse is inextricably linked together. You you really can't separate the two because once they get someone addicted to any number of substances, especially heroin, they own you. They have you now, and that's what ultimately happened with our daughter. How long was it before she was gone again? Um. Pretty much right away. Um, so she packed that bag. She left. Yeah. And then she when took was the next off right time? Away. And how long was she gone? Um, we would hear from her on and off, um, but when she would come, it was mostly she was upset. She wanted things from the house um, because they were instructing her to get like computers and cameras and things that they could use to get drug money, to get you know more use of trafficking things. Um, so they right away had her coming to our house to try and get things. So this is this is a cult-like approach that they're taking with their victims. Absolutely. And, and, and sucking them and making them feel like any disloyalty is going to be severely punished, any loyalty is going to be rewarded, and they basically just give them a different set of rewards and punishments and really kind of change the... The, brain, the pathways, how, how you start thinking about things. And with the addiction paired along with it, it becomes very easy because the defenses yes. are down. Yes. What was the longest stretch of time that you 
had without contact from your daughter? I would say about a month and a half. Okay. And she how- would always check in with us, but you never knew where she was. And during that time, she'd be trafficked in another state or out of Chicago area. You know, we found this out later. Heidi was very vigilant in uh, going on the Internet, uh, working with uh, local organizations, checking out Backpage and the dark web. I mean, that's literally where Heidi found her, and that's when the uh, severity of her situation started to come to light. Well, and right away we had gotten uh, the local human trafficking agency, which is RACE, which is Rockford Alliance Against Sexual Exploitation, Uh, We had gotten them involved right away. I had contacted law enforcement um, because we had seen things on live video feed where they were actually trying to traffic a minor. We had actually gotten involved with um, the FBI and Missing and Children's. There was a younger girl who was not a legal adult that allowed the FBI and other people to become involved to help track down the offenders and kind of keep an eye on the situation. Well, we um, we've got a lot. We've got a long way to go when it comes to really educating law enforcement and how to handle it. Now, from yes. from there, I mean, you talked about some of the darkest moments. I want to talk about when you finally got your daughter back and the journey that she ended up taking from coming back to you and some more of the processes that you followed along uh, with law enforcement. So when we, when we come back from our bottom of the hour break here, we're going to talk about the journey back f- from her being trafficked to where you are now and how you got there and what you're doing now to keep this from happening to other people's sons and daughters. This is Get Real with Ralph. We'll be back right after this break. And we're back here in the studios at AM 1050 WLIP. This is Ralph Nudie. You're listening to Get Real with Ralph. In the studio with me, I have the provosts, Heidi Hutchison Provo and Ian Provo, and they are talking about the journey that they have taken with their daughter being trafficked. And if you were listening to the first segment, this is a this is a everyday American family who really did all the right things when it came to raising their child. They they paid attention. They set reasonable limits. They were supportive parents. They had a daughter who did well in school. Even at the age of 18, she was in an environment where she had enough respect for her parents that she respected curfews and respected the fact that she was telling her parents where she was and, and really on her way to living a productive, happy life until some people that befriended her turned out to be grooming her for the process of being trafficked in a matter of a night got her completely hooked on controlled substances, probably heroin it sounds like, and got her into a situation where she was being sold on prostitution sites day in and day out. I can't imagine, I can't even begin to imagine the the depth of, of pain as a parent that you would feel going through that 
I have six of my own children. I have always had a soft spot for children in general. And it has got to be one of the most devastating things that a family can go through aside of the death or the suicide of a child, I'd say it's probably the next worst nightmare for a parent. Yes, it felt like the lights in the tunnel went out. So you got to a point where you really, you had this moment where you knew where you were at, Ian. Yeah, uh, this ordeal became very real for me when we received that phone call in the middle of the night that every parent dreads. The police called our home, told us that our daughter had overdosed on heroin, and that we needed to come to the hospital immediately. And at this point, we didn't know if she was dead or alive. Uh, She did live. She was in intensive care for five days. And I remember going up to the hospital, seeing her hooked up to tubes and machines. Her face was all painted up with makeup. And I was just in shock. It was an incredibly surreal experience. I, a couple of days later, just broke down and said to myself, how did we get here? How did it come to this? How did this happen? And it was the beginning of a nightmare because we then had to deal with unsavory characters and creepy people coming to our front door looking for her. The hospital was put on lockdown because one of her Johns showed up with a gun. And our life changed. And on one occasion, our daughter did come back at one point before she went out for the last time. She had marks and bruises. She had been beaten several times. And I actually had a conversation, had her phone, and got into this verbal altercation with a pimp, basically saying, you need to stay away from my daughter. And he said to me, I don't think you know who you're talking to. And I said to him, no, I don't think you know who you're talking to. And I said that as a father, and I was not going to be bullied and intimidated by this guy, but um, I was just devastated. The whole Has Has this guy ever been arrested? Yes. Not for trafficking, for other offenses. He's been convicted of other offenses. For drugs, but not for trafficking. He's still around in Rockford? He is. He he served about six months in jail, and he is now out and trafficking women again. That's truly disgusting. Yes. So after this, after your daughter was in the hospital, you said she ended up leaving and going with him? Yeah, she went a second time, was back out, and then she would pop in occasionally, but you could tell she was under heavy influence of drugs. She had marks and bruises. I knew she was being abused. And And how long did that period last? A few months, I believe. Is that right, Heidi? Yeah. What turned it around? Uh, Well, what turned it around was she ended up in the hospital. Um, She had overdosed, as he said, Um, and they actually had to Narcan her because she was not breathing when she came in. So this is a second trip to the hospital? No, this is the, this fir- is the okay. same incident Understood. at the hospital. Um, but she was in the hospital for about five days. And as an 18-year-old, she has the right to sign herself out. However, um, me, being a very vigilant mom, uh, I knew I had to take action. And so during that time, I was talking to hospital staff, to nurses, to doctors, and telling them, this is a life-or-death experience here. And you have to keep her safe. And if you don't, she's either going to kill herself, they'll kill her, or she'll overdose. And so I'm counting on you to keep her safe. And Which is a difficult task because the laws really don't support the ability to do that. Absolutely. And during that time, I was looking up every resource possible, communicating with other services, 
um, trying to find resources to take her to a safe house. What was the what was the resource that actually helped you the most? Uh, race, race. The Rockford Alliance Against Sexual Exploitation. Um, I had a good contact there, and she would uh, help me get referrals. Um, they actually have a grant program that helps survivors of trafficking, um, and she said that uh, they would help us find that resource. So now you're plugged into the right resources. You bring your daughter home. She goes back out, but she's starting to be physically abused more often. And would you say she's starting to realize that she needed to get out? Well, at that point, um, she she was really out of it. During the duration of her stay as she was coming out of that coma-like state, um, she started talking about all of the experiences that had happened to her. Um, she was unaware um, as she was talking about all these things, um, but uh, she started talking about some of the violence that had happened to her. She started propositioning staff. Um, but she was still un- very much under the influence of the drugs that they had given her. Um, and at that time, um, we had a conversation about, look, you know, this is a dangerous situation, and they've actually come to the hospital with a gun, and we need to keep you safe as well as keep us safe because now we're in danger as well. And it started to sink in. Absolutely. And she started to break down and cry and said, I don't want anything to happen to you guys. She also has a, an older brother who's um, they're less than a year apart in age who took it very hard. And um, unlike us, he's much more reserved in talking about feelings. He's much more reticent in discussing those types of things. So he, you know, we had a son at home that we had to deal with, too, because this was impacting him. And, you know, we, you're taking care of the sick child, but you've got a well child at home, and you've got to balance that and make sure that uh, he's getting the attention he needs. So you get, after this point, you have a conversation with him. There was, there was a moment when she decided it was completely over, that she was done with this. Yes. Are you saying that there was yes a, and no. a final moment? Um, she, she really knew that she needed to be done. But at the same time, uh, still that loyalty to the pimp, who she trusted and called a boyfriend um, or a best friend. Sometimes she would say, he's my best friend. Um, she felt loyal to him. And, and still, to this day, there's times when she feels like she wants to go back into that life because um, she feels loyal to them. Still. Still. They wield incredible psychological manipulation on these victims. It's bra- it's literal blank brainwashing over a period of time. It's almost as if it's Stockholm Syndrome. Really. That, was, that, was, that was the term that came to mind, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to make light of either situations, but you hear about Stockholm Syndrome where you, people Absolutely. become very sympathetic toward their captors and, and start to worry about their captors' well-being. Well, that happens in domestic violence and of course on a regular basis. In, of course that happens in domestic violence. Now, you've had her in and out of safe houses for how long? Uh, well, she's been in safe houses, and she's also been in drug treatment um, since February of 2017. Um, she's been on and off in different places. And she's been, been clean and free from that yep. life since then? Yes. That's a long period of time. The couple of relapses, fortunately, were minimal. They weren't major relapses, and it, it's she's. We've kind of kept her tucked away in other parts of the country, and really had to limit in telling people where she is. 
sure. But they try to contact her through social media and things like that, even to this day. Of course they did. And we've still had people come to our front door looking for her, which is very unnerving. Well, and you have to understand, while she was being trafficked, there were times that, you know, they would say to her, your family doesn't love you. See, they don't love you. They don't come and get you. If they loved you, they would come and take you away. Or, you know, your family aren't going to love you because look at all the horrible things that you've done. And so during her duration of her trafficking, I really had to stay in contact with her and remind her on a daily basis, we love you no matter what's happened to you, what you've been made to do, um, and none of this is your fault. What do you think can be done differently now when it comes to policy, when it comes to legislation, to make it easier to investigate, to make it easier to prosecute these crimes? Because it seems that they really do know the law and they manipulate around it and they they con these young women into being what on the outside looks like willing participants so that they absolve themselves of, of the legal responsibility for a lot of what's going on. And I know you, you told me about fighting that battle, about being in hotels and, and the police not being able to do anything about it. Yes. What, do you, what do you think can be done that doesn't infringe upon the rights of everybody but could still get us give law enforcement more tools that they need? Because I think that people need to hear this and start lobbying for it and calling their elected representatives. Well, I can tell you from our experience, um, there there's a lot that ties the hands of law enforcement. They want to go in and help, but unless, you know, if they go into a hotel and they don't know the exact room number where this person is, then it's hard to just go and knock on doors um, because if they don't answer the door and it doesn't have the exact number of the room, they can't just knock down the door and go go and get them. And so it ties the hands and... Uh, hotels because of privacy laws will not give out that information even to law enforcement what a lot of people don't know is some of these seedy hotels the owners are are on the take on this yes and they know the police they know what's going on in their hotel but they're getting a cut of that and we we learned that as well uh i think in our community where we have seen success again you've got to have funding to do this because we've had sting operations and uh special um uh, police units that have been able to go in and arrest people. Our, our mayor and our police chief have jumped on board with this uh, uh, rooting out Johns and prostitutes. Lastly, if you were going to give advice to other parents who are faced with this, what would you tell them? Where would you tell them to turn for help? If they, assuming they're not in Rockford, you know, you're here. Where would you tell them to turn for help? What, what was the advice that you would give them in the very beginning? to make sure that they're not making the situation worse? And what can they do to make the situation better, at least with what's in their control? Because I know not everything is. Well, um, I would tell them to look for the red flag signs, which are certain tattoos, um, high-priced things coming uh, to your family member, whether it's you know large, um, expensive items suddenly, um, cars, phones, um, latest, greatest Uh, clothing. Um, Look for those signs. Look for an older person, like an older male or an older female that's befriended them, uh, is very controlling when they're around, doesn't let them kind of really come home without them being involved in that process, Um, isolates them from uh, family, friends. Um, Look for bruises, those kinds of things, Um, and a real change in behavior. 
If your daughter does not have a full-time job and all of a sudden she owns expensive clothing, gifts, and items, that's a big red flag. Something's not right. That's one of the first ones. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, I'm going to share some of the resources you shared with me on our episode guide here. Again, Heidi Hutchison Provo, Ian Provo from Rockford, Illinois. I would love to have you back on the show again and maybe start talking in more detail about things that we can do as a community to fight this. Because at the end of the day, we need to fight this together. There are still so many people that are unaware. I was really unaware of how how deep it went to maybe the last year or so. And it's been going on under our noses for a long time. And I think most people are completely oblivious. I mean, they know prostitution happens and they know what a pimp is, but they don't really realize that this this isn't just for this isn't a socioeconomic issue where it's only happening on the other side of the tracks. This is happening everywhere. This is affecting everybody. And we have to really talk about it extensively and make sure everybody's aware of it so everybody knows the warning signs. Absolutely. That's one of the things that I have have done. Uh, I've been working on a program, a curriculum, to teach awareness to young uh, children, uh, junior high to high schoolers, as well as their parents, and it's through the Girl Scouts of Northern Illinois. Uh, We have an awareness program that we're teaching, and it teaches healthy relationships. It teaches dangers of social media. And it teaches awareness of red flags and resources of where you can go if you notice signs of trafficking in your friends or family members. Thank you very much for all you do. And um, we look forward to having more conversations. Thank you. Up in a few minutes, I'm going to have the wonderful Brittany Lumley come on. She's going to play a little music. Uh, We're going to get it up to the microphone here. And we're going to talk about the fact that she's going to be playing with uh, alone as a solo artist, as well as with Betsy and the well-known strangers at the Songs of Freedom Music Festival, which is coming up on the 28th of September. And she's going to tell us all about her experience and how things have changed pretty dramatically for her in the last few minutes. We'll, We'll take a minute. All right. Sounds great. And we're back in the studio here at AM 1050 WLIP. Ralph Newton on Get Real with Ralph. A little Eddie Money here in honor of uh, one of the greatest artists rock and roll has known. Unfortunately, like some of you, I discovered that he died during this broadcast. No. Uh, no, I discovered it during this broadcast. Oh, you discovered it during the broadcast. <laughs> yes, I discovered okay. it during the broadcast. Okay. It happened on Friday, but I discovered during this broadcast that he passed away a couple of days ago. But a little music therapy makes it better. Mm-hmm. Pretty heavy subject there, but it's such an important one to talk about. Um, we have here with us the lovely and talented Brittany Lumley. Brittany, welcome. Hi. How are you? Good. Fantastic. How are you doing? I'm great. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a tough subject to tackle, and it's something I'm very passionate about. Um, and I really want to do as much as I can to help people. And I thank you and uh, your entire band that you were with, with Betsy, Mm -hmm. and all these wonderful artists for coming together and creating something beautiful to fight something so ugly. Yes. And that's really really what this is about. If we focus on the ugly the the whole time, we'll lose the nerve. We'll lose Mm -hmm. the the stomach for it. But if we can can do some beautiful things in the process on the way there, I think... 
truly believe that that's how you get problems solved. And one of the things the show's been about is kind of taking the heavy and, and the lighthearted and, and, and mixing it all together. Definitely. I think the Songs of Freedom Festival do that, too. <laughs> it, sh- it should. It should. It should be a lot of fun. Now, yeah. how long have you been a musician? Oh, gosh. I started playing cello when I was uh, uh, the summer after third grade is when they start the orchestra. Oh, in the school orchestra program, <laughs> program. Huh? yep. I uh-huh. wanted to play the cello. My parents wouldn't let me. I'm still mad at them for that. Oh, well, you can always pick it up. You're never too old. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to play the cello, too. You were? My nickname was Cello. Cello. <laughs> cello on the cello. Cello, cello on the cello. cello. Yeah. That would have yeah. been great. I, I yeah, think I liked it because it was bigger than me back then. Yeah. So, you know, all, all the all the little boys wanted to play the big instruments like the cello and the bass. You know, yeah, like, definitely. And, and all the tall girls wanted to play the violin. Yeah. yeah. I picked it because there was a boy that I had a crush on, and I found out that he was playing cello. So, <laughs> so all of this is about a boy. Yeah. Which a lot of my songs are about relationships too, so So not much has changed. <laughs> yeah, not much has changed. You're chasing you're still chasing that eternal true love, huh? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so you played cello all through middle school, high school, and yeah. uh mm-hmm. when did you pick up guitar? Um, in eighth grade I just got really into like classic rock and all mm. of these different like rock bands and just wanted to play electric guitar. Well, I want you to whip out for us before before we go to the break. The first song that comes to mind that you can fit inside four minutes. How do you how do you like that? Okay. What are you gonna play? Uh, I'm gonna play "Drifting Away." All right, ready, All right, go. Cool. <laughs> I saw you first You held me with your We fell in love With the rhythm of With the Okay. 
it's been years of waiting what I feel to lose what I have we took our It's 9 o'clock. You're listening to AM 1050 WLIP Kenosha. <laughs> Streaming live at WLIP.com. Now, CBS News. This is CBS News on the Hour. Real news, real reporting. I'm Sam Litzinger. So long to a driving force behind the rock band The Cars. Rick Ocasek has died in New York. Anthony DeCurtis with Rolling Stone magazine says the cars carved out their own musical niche. Synthesizers were beginning to become fashionable. They incorporated those. And there was a kind of almost power pop sound to what they did. It was very, very catchy. The cars were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year. Ocasek said then it was gratifying to be honored by fellow musicians. The United Auto Workers says it's roughly 49,000 hourly workers at General Motors will go on strike as of midnight because contract talks reached a roadblock. CBS News correspondent Meg Oliver. Union members say they're fighting for fair wages, affordable quality health care, and job security. These UAW members, not so long ago, helped save a company that many people didn't think was going to survive. They stood up for that company. And now they want that company to stand up for them at the table. In a statement, GM says it offered to invest more than $7 billion in factories in four states and create 5,400 new positions, with the majority to be filled by existing employees. More talks are scheduled for tomorrow. Several Democratic presidential candidates are now calling for the impeachment of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh in the face of a new allegation of sexual impropriety when he was in college. 
Minnesota Democratic Senator and presidential candidate Amy Klobuchar tells ABC's This Week the original Justice Department investigation was badly done, but impeachment would be tough. The process was a sham. Um, I don't think you can uh, look at impeachment hearings without getting the documents. The House would have to get the documents, and the Attorney General is shielding documents. The New York Times now reports that Kavanaugh faced a separate allegation from his time at Yale University and that the FBI never investigated it. Top Democrats in Congress have told President Trump any gun control legislation that falls short of universal background checks for gun sales will not get the job done. Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer says he and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi talked to Mr. Trump by phone. The future of this bill, the future of many, many lives, thousands, tens of thousands of lives, is in the hands of only two people, Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. The Republican-controlled Senate still hasn't taken up a bill that was passed by the House, but Mitch McConnell says he'll allow votes on guns when he knows what the president's position is. This is CBS News. Crime. Punishment. Redemption. Even the most demented Hollywood writers would not have dreamed up an ending like this. 48 Hours, Saturdays on CBS. Dell has something extra for small businesses, up to 45% off during their semi-annual sale. It's a perfect time to update to Windows 10 with huge deals on business computers featuring Intel Core processors, plus free shipping on everything. Call small business technology advisors who can help you achieve your business goals affordably with low monthly payments on the right tech for you. Just call 877-BY-DELL. That's 877-BY-DELL or visit dell.com slash business deals for semi-annual savings. You're in charge of hiring and Indeed has solutions like company pages where you can get people excited about working for you. And we give you this toy monkey, which will bang its symbols when the right resume appears. Okay, there is no monkey. I said there is no monkey. But company pages for sure. See why independent research by Silk Road shows Indeed delivers three times more hires than any other job site. Visit Indeed.com promo to try company pages for free. Terms and conditions apply. Baby, and we're back here at the studios of AM 1050 WLIP. A little money in honor of Eddie Money. God, he's one of those guys that even if you're not a music buff and you think you don't know his songs, when you hear his songs, you know his songs. Absolutely, absolutely. One of those kind of artists. There's a few of them out there. Wouldn't you agree, Brittany? Mm-hmm. Like you're probably not a big fan of Eddie Money, don't really know who Eddie Money is, but I'll bet you every time we play a song, you, you know, know it and you've you heard know. it. If, if, you, if you liked a lot of classic rock, yeah, like I you said before, that, that you know who yeah. Eddie Money is. Yeah. yeah. Are you a classic rock fan to begin with? Well, I, I grew up listening to it. It's like the only station my parents listened to, so. Well, that's you must have cool parents then, because that's, that's all I listen <laughs> to as cool, well. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so you grew up here in Kenosha? Uh-huh, I did. Kenosha schools, where'd you go to high school? I went to Tremper. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. And uh, then did you you go on to uh, college after that here locally, or? I, oh yeah, I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison. Ah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And now you are back, and you do work as a substitute teacher still, correct? I do, yes. Gotcha, where's your favorite place to sub? Strange Elementary, which is where I be- met um, Betsy Aid. 
Ah, mm-hmm. well, now there's like some chemistry at Strange. They're meeting, meeting cool people, taking yeah. your life places. Mm-hmm. I went to Strange Elementary. You did? Yes, Aww. I did. I, I remember moving to Strange District in third grade and having to go to a new Strange school. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I always saw that, that I was at a school that was named after a golfer. Curtis Strange, right? You know, Curtis Strange, famous golfer. I didn't mm-hmm. even realize. I'd see, because I think he was on TV at the time. They talk about me like, oh, that's the school I go to. But uh, <laughs> very cool building, that little sunken library and that raised yeah, art room. Cool. It was a cool concept. Mm-hmm. And you've been playing now prof- semi-professionally, professionally, whatever you want to call it, also for how long? Um, so, I don't know. When I was in college, I started doing open mics. That's that's where I started. That's where it all started, and you yeah. still do that quite and, often. Yeah, I do. Um, not so much lately, but I try to go like once a week, at least. It's a good way to work um, out new material. Yeah. See if you like it, even see if you like your audience's reaction. See if they like yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. It's not a lot of pressure, especially if you're at the same audience on mm-hmm. a regular basis. Right. I, I really kind of be a fan of the open mic night over at at Fusion. I drop yeah, in there every same. once in a while. And of course, so many of you that are playing, you know, that, that's kind of your stomping ground. It's, it's yeah, it, it's cool to watch you develop stuff there. And then the next thing I know, I, I see it in a show. So uh-huh. very cool. Yeah. Well, I don't want to just run my mouth here because you, <laughs> you've got a guitar and a story to tell with it. So what are you going to play for us next? Uh, let's do, um, this is my newest song. It's called All Right. All Right. I'm all, all right, right with that. <laughs> all I, right. No. 
Love it. <laughs> very good. Very nice. That's really new, isn't it? Yeah, that's really new. That's my newest one. That's, I, I don't know well enough to say it's my favorite yet, but it is definitely <laughs> like one, it's, it's, you've written some good stuff. I really like that. Thanks. Yeah, it's, but, it's got a, it's very catchy. Thank you. That's what everybody's been telling me that they really, really like Yeah, this like this, this, this might be, yeah. this is your hit. I mean, really. Seriously, keep, keep, I know, I'm going to have to record keep, it. I mean, keep working on that one there and get it just how you want it and record it yeah. because that's, that's definitely uh -huh. a recordable one. Yeah. I wish I would have got that one on our live feed. Yeah. But by the time I got it up, I was, you were halfway through the song and I thought, yeah. I don't want to even spoil it by only giving, by giving somebody sure. only half the song because yeah. that, that, that's, that's that a good one. That makes sense. Yeah. 
And the first one you played, you know, I've heard that one lots of times before. I really love when you're playing with Betsy. I love the 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 Billy uh, Eilish duet that you yeah. do together. It's probably mm-hmm. out of everything both of you do, one of the one of the showstoppers. I really I really yeah. like that dynamic between the two of you and that that whole Thanks. acoustic sound. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if you were there for the show at 58 Below that we I did. I was. That was the weekend we met in, <laughs> yeah. the, in the green room. That's, oh, that's right. That's yeah. When, that's, that's when Victor that's brought really me in met. and said, guys, listen to this. And two days later, you guys were on the show. Right. So that was my favorite thing was when we st- sat on the, the bar. Yeah, when we sat on the bar, we did those a couple of acoustic songs. That was songs pretty neat. And... I, I was were, you, there. were you there for that? I yeah. was there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Little, little did we know we were going to be meeting in two days. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's wild it was, that, was the day, that was our first, when you came in that two days later, that was our first episode of this show on the right. radio. I was only doing a podcast before that. Uh-huh. I shouldn't say only. It's a lot of work, but this is so different. It yeah. is doing it live. Uh-huh. Um, which we, we definitely have time for more and I want to get into some of your other music because you're, it's, I, I enjoy listening to it. So oh, yeah. who, who are your major influences oh, music wise? I mean, I know you're that's always that question. That. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, you always gotta be ready for that one. Yeah. Um, it's in the, it's in the handbook so, for taking interviews as a right. musician. So when I, when I first started out writing songs, like in high school, mm-hmm. I listened to a lot of like folky mm-hmm. artists, like. Ingram Michelson and um, I listened to the Shins a lot, um, so they kind of influenced me. Um, you had especially a, you had an unusual music palette to begin with, then compared yeah. to your peers. I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm really into a lot of different bands, um, but l- lately, um, being in the band has definitely influenced me to. To play a little more, like strum a little more and um, sing out a little mm-hmm. more, really project more because I had to practice that with the band. So sure, yeah, you got to um, really, you got to really hit it, especially when you're when you're singing with all them. They're seasoned, right. very seasoned uh, right. professionals. Whereas before is definitely more of just like a soft, finger picky, flowy type of thing, mm-hmm. and now I'm getting more hard with it. Which I, I definitely love the band too. with your adi- the, with this current lineup here. Not to say anything about the previous lineups, but the dynamic of this lineup is different. Yeah, it, I, I feel like there's more energy with with with, with your Thanks. current lineup. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know the band before. <laughs> to I didn't. Be honest. I didn't know them at all. I just um, just watching performances. Right. And I, and it's not even a comparison thing. It's just different. Right. How, right. How you play? How you go about when you play the cello? Different. Yeah, and uh, I would say it's you feel more like you're listening to someone who's playing that cello for a rock or a folk band as opposed to a classic cellist playing in a rock band. If that makes any you're sense, you're talking about me, my personal yes, style. Y- yeah, the way you, yeah, the way yeah, you've really modified that style. Yeah, that's... You know, it's kind of like when you have an opera singer sing a pop song. You know what I mean? Right, right. Some cellos kind of have that. You don't. You yeah. Kind of, you you just fit. You fit right into the music in, yeah. su- in such a dramatic way. Right. I mean, I have a a classical background, but I sure. Did, you know, like Cam, our other cellist. Right. He's he's a performance major at Parkside. Mm-hmm. He's he does this. He's very serious about it, and he he does both sides of it. But um, he's definitely more of a professional classic musician. Sure. And sure. So, and, and neither. That's not to take away from either either style. Oh, it's like definitely. A, it's like a pianist, it's like a jazz pianist versus a concert pianist. Hey, they're they're both incredible. and They're both incredibly entertaining. But it's, sometimes it's harder to get the crossover. And yeah. in, in general, I feel like the crossover works really well. 
Thanks. With you. I guess that's, that's yeah. the way that I'm putting yeah, it. Yeah, we kind of have both ends of the spectrum, and we kind of jump to each other's You play anything besides too. the guitar and cello? Um, I play ukulele a little bit. I have been doing lessons at um, Kinder Music with Emily. Really? Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I did a couple classes during the summer. And then um, starting up some private lessons with a very limited time that I have in my schedule. Gonna, you can't have much. <laughs> yeah, I can't. And, and it looks like I your don't. schedule is getting fuller between both. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, good. and I have a two-year-old at home too, so <laughs> it it uh, takes up pretty much every moment of my time doing all of these things together. So, so what are you going to play for us next? Oh, I guess I see your fingers are ready to go. No, they weren't. They weren't. Actually, <laughs> I have to think about what I want. You to called play. me out. You were supposed to say yes, Ralph. <laughs> yes, they were. Uh, I'll play um, "Come Alive." Awesome. to come 
Very good. Thanks. Very. What's that one called? Come Alive. Come Alive. You've played mm-hmm. that one before. I've heard that one on open mic a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, I have. Uh, that's that's on my EP, which I recorded in Seattle while I was pregnant in my tiny basement bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people get your music as long as we're on that subject? Because we were going to cover that. You can find my music on Spotify, um, Amazon, Apple Music. It's distributed pretty well. And what do we what do we look at? Just um, do you have? Is just Brittany Lumley or? Yeah, just Brittany Lumley. Brittany Lumley. Mm-hmm. Do you have a Bandcamp site as well? or? Uh, yes, I do. And that's, is that BrittanyLumley.Bandcamp.com? Or? I believe so. You can always go on my Facebook, okay. and I have a list of all of my socials there. I'll make website, sure that I link everything. to it on ours on our YouTube channel on GetRealWithRalph.com. On this episode, we'll have links. We'll make sure that we have a link back to all of your social media there as well. You're on Perfect. Instagram? Yep. As mm-hmm. Brittany Lumley? Yep. Ah, super Lundley. easy. There I believe it is. it's Brittany.Lumley. Brittany.Lumley. Now, yes. how do you spell Brittany? A lot of people have spelled Brittany a different way. <laughs> B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. This is the, Good the, nor- the normal one, the, no- the traditional yes. spelling of it. Mm-hmm. I used to teach high school kids, and one day, B-R-I-T-T-I, no, E-N-I. E-N-I. But you want to be called Brittany. I'm just like, okay, all right, what, whatever you want, whatever you want. Yeah, just that's, maybe a couple hours different. a day, you know. That, that's <laughs> fine. Did, did by your me. mom have an affair with an encyclopedia salesman, or yeah. how, how did that I, happen? I have no idea. You never know. I mean, people are products of a lot of weird things. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what was your favorite favorite uh, uh, time on stage? Would oh, you gosh. say? I know. Come as a, a tough solo question. artist, or yes, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go solo. As a solo artist, gosh, well, because fresh in my mind is all of the band stuff, okay. and um, I was in a band, a couple bands in college too. Okay, it, those are definitely the most fun that yeah. I had on stage. Um, I'm not sure if I could mm. pinpoint something. There was, um, I played a show in Seattle, and. Um, Somebody just came up to me afterwards and just said, I was so emotional during that. It made me cry. Is that, is that an awesome feeling? That's definitely, yeah. You the know, best I, I, I do some acting. And I've, I've been on stage and I would do something on stage. You know, you're connecting with your audience. Yeah. You know, they're enjoying it. Definitely. You know, but you don't know really how you reach that person yeah. until they come up and say, you know, when you did that, what you did up there, I mean, mm-hmm. that, you know, exactly. that's the most life changing. Yeah, for, you know, for 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 us as performers, right? You know, exactly. and them as well. If I can, you know, we can do something to someone out there. Yeah, you know, to make them change the way they they feel, exactly. or let them forget about their troubles for a while. Exactly, that's get, why I do. That's my right. main reason for doing <laughs> right, exactly. it. In the first place. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Then when you do that, not to mention it helps you forget about your own troubles. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's therapy. Therapy. Begin with it's therapy. Yeah. Yeah. But when you, um, can, when you can take that, when you when you can take your own therapy mm-hmm. and then turn it into other people's yeah. therapy. Yes. That, that's a gift that a lot of people take for granted. Yeah. Or don't even realize they have, mm-hmm. and there are very few people out there that have the gift and know they have it and use it and are unafraid. It, mm-hmm. You know, it, it puts you in a different class person, it's... and uh, it, not not better, just different. No, and, it's yeah, totally different. And uh, you find that 
those that are like that tend to think mm-hmm. alike and tend to gravitate toward one another and genuinely have have, have a like for one another as sure. well. And mm-hmm. it, yeah. it becomes a community pretty sure, fast. Sure. And the people who don't like us just don't talk to us. Then you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. Okay, you didn't like the show. That's you know. This I, I will say it's pretty hard keeping your self esteem up, and especially when you're a solo artist. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, yeah. it's just you. Have you, had, oh, yeah. have you had any trolls yet? <laughs> No. That's, no, that's when they say. That's when they say you've really reached success when you get your first troll. So <laughs> I'm not quite there. Re- yet. Remember that the first time someone jumps on and starts like putting all kinds of hate for no reason, you're like, "What did I? What did I do?" Just remember that that is a sign of mm-hmm. success in the entertainment industry. Yeah. So instead, I'll just be like, "Oh." And with that, I'm gonna raise, <laughs> and with that, I'm gonna raise my Dr. Pepper to you and say, "Here's your first troll." See? Yeah. There you are. There you are. May you may you get your first troll and all the money that goes with it. Now, now what's a lot different is performing alone, obviously. When right. it's just you, because I've done stand-up comedy, yeah, and now I'm doing stand-up. It's me and a microphone. That's even more terrifying. Oh my than god! Music. Yeah, you know, I think I did one time at public. I think I ran into a public yeah. that one time, and I had a pretty good set. But I'm going to tell you what. There's sometimes you're up there and you're just like, and you got you got like mm-hmm. people just staring at you, know, like dozing at like deer in headlights, you know, looking at you. I'm like, is, yep. am I hitting it all on this? Am I, you know, is this working? Yeah. But then if I do a play, or mm-hmm. Or uh, I just got done doing a couple of improv shows up in Racine with the group. Okay. You know, there's it's so much better because you got someone else you can play yeah, off of. Exactly. I always love talking to musicians, even though I'm not a musician, but we're artists. Yeah. And, and, and we work together with other people on stage to make something happen. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I always love, I have a lot of musician friends. We, ha- we have the same talk. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing. Having, right. really, really Having is. someone to bounce off to makes it so much easier. I noticed mm-hmm. that first time I went to go do any sort of podcast or broadcasting, yeah. and I'm just in front of a camera talking myself, it was right. it was scary. Yeah. But the first time we did a podcast when we had guests, mm-hmm. I realized that really you just have a conversation with each other, and you almost forget that you're on the air, that you're broadcasting. And yeah, the, the sure. more you forget, the more you let go and mm-hmm. just turn it into a conversation. The more mm-hmm. it flows, and you just start to have a lot of fun. Yeah. And Definitely. of course, here we got to worry about deadlines and all that. Where when it was podcast, you just oh, podcast, we, we go for three hours. You know, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yeah, Say right. what you want to so do. So you got a little more time frame, and you have to be creative with it with the time frames. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of time frames, I know that we have time for some more. Don't yeah, we? Before the bottom of the Let's hour, do one more one more song, and then we'll do a break, and we'll come back. All right, okay. perfect. Sounds what are you going to play? I'm going to play tonight. Okay. So tonight. what we'll do is we'll play this right into the break. Absolutely. All right. Okay, all right. Good. Here's Brittany Lumley and. Tonight. tonight, I feel like Casey. Casey, there's Brittany Lumley with tonight. <laughs> awesome. I'm not 
I'm standing upright I'm doing just fine Thanks But I'm losing my mind Oh, I don't 
And we're back in the studios of AM 1050 WLIP. This is Ralph Nudie with the Get Real with Ralph show. And I have two tickets to the Songs of Freedom Festival that I'm going to give away for the 28th of September. So that's your two tickets to Paradise. If you want to win, be one of the first two people to go to GetRealWithRalph.com right now. That'll take you to our YouTube channel. Click subscribe. Click the little notification bell. Thumbs up today's video and then comment on it. Put the word done. And when I see that in there, we will notify you by whichever email is attached to your YouTube account. The first two people are going to get two tickets to the Songs of Freedom Festival. Again, go to GetRealWithRalph.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thumbs up today's video and comment done. Sweet. Pretty cool trick, huh? Yeah. So in the studio, we have the lovely Brittany Lumley, who has been entertaining us with her music this evening. And we'll be back again next week with Betsy Aid and the well-known Strangers. They're going to be playing a full plugged-in set in Studio East. We're actually going to be pre-recording it, but it'll be aired at the same time as normal at 8 o'clock on Sunday night. And they're doing that in advance of their headlining, the Songs of Freedom Music Festival, which will be on the 28th of September at Penoyer Park. That's the band show on 7th Avenue in Kenosha. We have 11 great musical artists starting from noon, going all the way to Betsy A and the Well-Known Strangers headlining that at, I believe, 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be a great time. All of the money goes to support Operation Underground Railroad, which rescues children that have been trafficked and arrest traffickers all around the world. So I'm off the soapbox, and we're back onto the music <laughs> here. But I had to get all that out before we got yeah, to the end yeah. of the segment I forgot Let about. People know where we're going to be, what's it going to be all about. Absolutely. And uh, please get the word out. Uh, if you see any of this stuff on social media, share it. It's, it's for a really good cause. It really, when you see what this organization does, and we'll have some people from it there, you're going to see how many hearts they've touched and how much good they're really doing all across the world and rescuing children from this this nightmare that has seemed to grow, have grown beyond uh, what anybody could have ever mm. imagined. Now, with Well-Known Strangers, you came in after the song was written, but I know that Voices is one of the songs that you perform, and the song is about a... Basically, mm-hmm. a case very similar to the one that we heard with our guests today. Yeah. A, you know, a, a young adult, older teen who actually gets sucked in, doesn't get snatched off the side of the street, but instead through grooming and relationship building uh, get, gets, gets trafficked. And then, just like in their story, develops a sort of Stockholm syndrome and doesn't mm-hmm. want to leave the life. And it's a, it's a very compelling video that was very well put together. If you haven't seen it, you can Google Voices and, and Betsy and it'll pop up. And that'll tell you a little bit about this great band and all the members and their dedication to this particular epidemic. Mm-hmm. With that being said, tell us about a song that isn't about a boy. I want to I, I want, I want oh, tell us the first one that comes to mind that you've written. Well, come, al- challenge here come alive. Come alive. I just played. You already played that one, though. Yeah. Well, I have to pick a new one that yeah. I haven't written about a boy. Yes. Oh man, I don't know. You don't know, huh? <laughs> um, I have some older ones. Cool. Um, I just had to throw that out there to see if you knock yeah, you off balance a little bit, make I, it fun. I used to write a lot about just, you know, I don't know, like coming of age experiences. I guess. 
we, we all love those. And <laughs> uh, we all have our own personal wonder years. Yeah. So um, I felt like I was kind of a really serious kid. Like I was, I always wanted to do the right thing and, you know, never got into trouble or anything. And so um, I, one of my songs I wrote is about uh, um, how I feel like I should get better in touch with my inner child and just maybe play around a little bit more instead of being so serious all the time. I love it. I love it. What's it called? It's called Young Heart. Young Heart. All right. Well, rock it out. Okay, cool. Wow. Yeah. That's one of your oldest songs that you wrote? Yeah, it's one of my older songs. I it's, wrote that in college. I love it. <laughs> it's very, it's retro in a very cool way. Very yeah. Pats, <laughs> Patsy Klein, June Carter, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And, and I was thinking more Melanie. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I got a new pair of roller skates. You got a brand new. Can you ever know that? You know no. that song? You never heard that song? You no. should listen to it. It kind of sounds a little, yeah, reminds me of that of that type of Definitely one of my more. 
folky. Yeah, folky, happy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. I, what, what's the darkest song that you've ever written? Oh gosh, darkest. Uh, probably uh, my song "Golden Child." It's about um, being in touch with your inner child. So in touch in a good way and then in touch in, in a bad way? Well, in touch with your inner child in order to kind of like help yourself out um, with the like dark mental things that you have going on in your head. All right. So, well, that sounds that sounds yeah, mysterious like, and fun. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've been through uh, depression, and mm. so I've written a little bit about that. Come Alive is a little about that, too. Um, and so, yeah, I've learned a lot about how to nurture my inner child and how that helps through therapy and things like that. And so that's that's kind of my, you know, dark yet bright song, I guess. I like that, dark yet bright. <laughs> no, that's not one that you already played, though. No, I haven't played it yet. Do you want to hear it? Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. Okay, cool. Let's do it.
Outstanding. Thanks. Outstanding. Thank you. <laughs> you really put a lot into that one. That must have been a painful period in your life, huh? Yeah, definitely. I went through a really bad depression a few years ago, so, yeah. Well, that was beautiful. It's therapy. Thank you. It's just therapy, isn't it? It, it is just, it, therapy it just, for me. Yeah. I couldn't live without it, That's to right. be honest. <laughs> so yeah. where, where, do you see, where do you see yourself? Five years from now, besides having a seven-year-old instead of a two-year-old, which is easy. <laughs> <laughs> Simple math. Right. Gosh, I don't even know. Um, I don't know. My The most fun I have is just playing music festivals, and I don't know. I, I just see myself just playing a ton of music and hopefully – you know, making enough money off of it where I can just live off of playing music and, and that can be my job, you know? Mm. <laughs> well, that's a great <clears throat> that's a great goal, and I think you're on your way there. If all of you listening like Britney's music, make sure that you either go find it on her own page, or if you can't find it, you can come onto the show page, getrealwithralph.com, or onto my Facebook page where you'll see already links back to Britney's profile because we, uh, we, we share some of those videos already on there live, as well as uh, on the YouTube channel where we have entire episodes, and we always break apart the individual songs, so if you want to go back and listen to the songs later, you can. Brittany will be with Betsy Aid and the Well-Known Strangers here on Sunday next week for our show, and then the following Saturday we'll be hosting the Songs of Freedom Music Festival. Jim and I are mm-hmm. going to be the Masters of Ceremonies, as well as our show being broadcast live from the festival from 4 to 6 p.m. Will Rock will be there from 2 to 4 p.m. as well doing a live remote. So it's going to be a great event. You can go to OurSongsOfFreedom.org to buy mm-hmm. tickets online. Of course, I told you how you can win your two tickets. Hopefully you listened and did that. Thank you very much, for tuning in to Get Real with Ralph. I'm Ralph Nudie, and good night.
black car. I wanna be a rock and roll.